Well, we're in part three of our series, Overwhelmed. And speaking of overwhelmed, it's, we've had a kind of an overwhelming response with this series and a lot of texts and calls and emails and social media and even people watching online from other places in the country and even the world. Now, I could get all puffed up about that and think I'm, I'm all that, but I know better. This has nothing to do with my speaking ability and everything to do with the fact that as Americans and people in general, we're trying to live our lives so often in an overwhelmed state. And so I think this is just connected. And it's, it's really, it's everybody. It's everyone, no matter if you're rich, poor, young, old, male, female. It doesn't matter. We all go through times, seasons. Uh, sometimes even it feels like years where we're trying to live our life in an overwhelmed state. So I think this is just connected with that. Um, in part one, we kind of took a trip to the doctor two weeks ago uh, to see how we took a little test in the service to see if we were in the danger zone or not. I had one guy at the, the end of the first service come up and said, well, congratulations, pastor. And I was like, what are you talking about? He said, this is the only test I ever made a hundred on. It's <laughs> like, you don't want to make a hundred on that one. So uh, anyway, so that, that was our first week. And uh, last week, our subtitle was Overwhelming Peace, Overwhelming Peace. And I started studying that message with a, an end goal and an end game in, in my mind, and it was over here, and the Holy Spirit took me way over here. The pathway to peace was not what I had ever seen before. It was a new revelation to me. Maybe it was to you. The uh, pathway to peace doesn't always come through God removing a problem from our life. Doesn't always come through closure. Doesn't always come through him rescuing us and taking out uh, the pain away. True biblical peace comes through a renewed mind. And a renewed mind does not filter life through all the pain and discomfort and disappointment. A renewed mind is not focused on fear and anxiety. A, re a renewed mind is one that is focused, get this, on trusting in the love of God for every area of your life. A renewed mind is one that is at rest, no matter what is happening, at rest in the matchless love of Jesus Christ. Just look at the cross. Just look at the cross and know how much Jesus loves you. Our big idea was that perfect peace comes through perfect love. And the only way to get perfect love in this universe, the only source for perfect love is Jesus Christ. If you missed those sermons, they're available online at newlifecanton.com or on the app. Now today, I'm going in a different direction. We're still in the series. But I'm going in a different direction. I'm, I'm, I'm honing down. I'm targeting. I'm getting very specific. We're going to talk about something that affects almost all of us when it comes to being overwhelmed. Something that distracts. Something that causes so much stress that in studies, it's the, one of the leading causes of divorce. It's one of the leading causes of suicide. Today, we're going to talk specifically about money. Now, when I pray in just a second, I don't want anybody to run for the hills, okay? Because I know what you're thinking. Here it comes. If you're a visitor today, you're like, just like everybody else, just wants my, our money. 
you might be surprised about this message. Now, once again, I had in my mind where this was going to go, and it ended up somewhere very different. I couldn't get a piece about certain parts of this message. And actually, some of them are still sort of in there, and I was working through them in the early service. They were kind of my guinea pigs. So I'm still working through this. This is, this is an ongoing thing, but this is not what you think. We're going to talk about money, but it's not what you think. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your presence here already. We have sensed in the worship. God, I pray that it would continue. I pray, God, that we would just be real with ourselves, that we would just be open to the word of God today, that you would make it powerful and prophetic. Lord, this affects just about all of us. And I pray, God, you would move in this place this morning. In Jesus' name, everybody said Amen. Amen. So a nationwide study by the American Psychological Association revealed that money topped the list of stressors to Americans. Yeah, surprise, surprise. It beat out our situation at work. It beat out family responsibilities. And even it beat our health concerns. 72% of Americans said they feel stressed All the time about money. That's three quarters of the population, folks. That's millions of people. And it's not just relegated to lower income families. Over half of Americans reported that they have just enough or some even not enough to make ends meet at the end of the month with their bills. So the study reveals that this stress over money that so many of us have have led to major health issues. Look at this quote. These findings stand against a backdrop of research that shows the profound effects of stress on health status and longevity. Research also shows that financial struggles strain individuals' cognitive abilities, which could lead to poor decision-making and may perpetuate or just push forward and, 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 and just move forward their unfavorable financial and health situations. It's a cycle. So it's been great having you this morning. Aren't you glad you're in church? <laughs> I get it. Just hearing that causes stress. Because you already know this. Maybe you're living this. You know, most of us live with such small margins for error in our finances. A margin is just space. Most of us live with such small spaces, such a small margin for error that any little unexpected expense throws us into a tailspin. We go from little stress to overwhelming stress in a matter of seconds. The car breaks down and bam! Something breaks in our house, bam. There's an unexpected doctor's visit, bam. Something with our kids. But the good news is, this is nothing new. This doesn't take God by surprise. Being stressed about finances and our well-being with money has existed around the world for hundreds of years. Now, the currency has changed. 2,000 years ago, it was probably a goat and not a greenback that they were worried about, but the stress of not having enough was still the same. So, Pastor, you said something about good news. What's the good news? The good news is that the Word of God does deal with this. The Word of God does address this. 
But just like other things in our life that the Word of God addresses, we actually have to listen and then apply it for it to work in our life, whether we agree with it or not. But the Word of God does address... As a matter of fact, Jesus himself addresses this a lot. He talks specifically about money in 37 verses in the New Testament. It's in his top 10 list of things that he talks about because he knows, he knew that the lure that money and wealth and possessions would have on all of us. And he also knew how destructive and stressful and distracting those things could become even to a child of God. And so he dealt with money head on. He wasn't ambiguous. He was very clear about money and what it's supposed to be. Why? So that we could navigate this in our life. Aren't you thankful for the Word of God? Aren't you thankful? How many are ready to receive the Word this morning? Come on. About half of you. All right. Good. Going to do it. Matthew chapter 6. You can follow along on the screen, or if you have your Bibles, you can turn there, starting with verse 24. Matthew 6, beginning with verse 24. Jesus says, No one can serve two masters. For you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot. Say cannot. Cannot. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money at the same time. One of the most iconic characters in English literature is Charles Dickens' Ebenezer Scrooge. In A Christmas Carol, it's my dad's favorite Christmas story. He doesn't feel like he's had Christmas unless he watches one of those versions at Christmas time. Early in the story, he encounters his, a ghost of his former business partner, Jacob Marley. And Jacob Marley comes back to haunt him and to warn him of the dangers of being enslaved to money and greed. And to make his point, he comes back with chains wrapped around him, rattle, rattle, coming out of the, you know, just from head to foot to show Ebenezer the dangers of being enslaved to a life of money and greed and having to make the next dollar just constantly on that treadmill. And to, you know, but Jesus says it very plainly, the opposite. You cannot serve both God and money. You cannot serve two Masters, you cannot live your life with one foot in the world and one in the kingdom. You cannot straddle the fence. If you try to live your life that way, you will be overwhelmed. Here's the first point. There is no neutral ground in the kingdom. There is no neutral ground in the kingdom. Now, the planet Earth, we have Switzerland. We have Switzerland. In the kingdom, there is no such place. There is no neutral ground in the kingdom. And I don't care how free-thinking you are. I don't care how liberated you think you are. I don't care how, how independent you think you are. You have a master. Everybody lean in and look at me. Everything in your life hinges on the decision you make as to who or what is going to be your master. And let me, listen, listen, I'm not done. And if you don't make that decision for yourself, 
It will be made for you. There is no neutral ground in the kingdom. Now, you may have said a prayer and made Jesus and believe in Jesus as the Savior of your life. You may believe in Jesus as the Savior, but have you made him master? Have you made him Lord? Have you bowed your knee to your will and your flesh and made Jesus the Lord of every part of your life, including your money? Now, there's, no, there's nothing inherently wrong with money or with success. Amen? Those, both things, money and success, those things are good gifts from God. Those are gifts from God. There's nothing inherently wrong. But when we constantly are focused on them, and they become everything to us, the next thing, the next dollar, the next, if we constantly, we're going to be overwhelmed. We're going to, it's going to take all of our focus and all of our energy, and that's a problem. Yep. Now, we can't serve money and Jesus. We know that, but we try, don't we? Oh, come on, you're in church. We try. And when we try to serve both God and money, just like I said, that's when we get into trouble and that's when we begin to be overwhelmed with this thing. So the first step in reducing our stress with money is to put money in its place. Look at the screen. Money is a gift, not a God. Money is a gift, not a God. So let's stop worshiping it. Let's stop magnifying it in our life. Y'all have no idea what I go through when I write a sermon like this. I'm just serious. This is an area that I constantly have to give attention to. My knee-jerk reaction is not to pull my billfold out. Come on, somebody. Am I the only one in the house? Y'all are all good, aren't you? Y'all just like, oh, I'll just write that check. That's not my first thing. I'm I'm always, just this week, I knew it. I knew it when I preached a sermon like this that God was going to test me. I knew it. That's the way it works. I'm sitting on the couch. Kathy's over there going through Facebook. She comes across one of the... So funny. They know where I'm going. She comes across an old friend from our previous church. This woman became very precious to us and her kids. Uh, Right before I got to that church in 2009, her husband had committed suicide. Left two little girls and her. And so she was in my choir. I was a music director. She was in my choir, and, and we became very close. And so these girls, now it's 10 years later. They've grown up, and there's an opportunity for one of them to go on a mission trip. She's raising money. So Kathy is like, hey, we need to give towards her. And she hadn't hardly gotten the words out, and here I go. I got two daughters in college. I got and I came up with all the excuses that I possibly could that were real, that were true, about why I couldn't give money, we couldn't give money. And then I stopped, and she said, are you finished? And I'm like, yes. She said, well, then pray about it. And I realized she's asking me to pray about giving to a widow and an orphan. <laughs> Just write the check. Just write the check. 
Just write the check. Verse 25. This is real, y'all. Come on. This is real. Verse 25. This is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food to drink or enough clothes to... Listen to what he says right here. Isn't life more? Come on, say that with me. Isn't life more? I should have made that the title of the sermon. Isn't life more than worrying and being frustrated and being scared and being fearful and being full of anxiety about what we don't have that we think we need? Isn't life more than getting stressed out every single day about our money? And look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store in barns for your heavenly father feeds them. And aren't you more valuable than a bird? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Tell me. No, they can't. Now, I want you to hear something. There's a major difference between worry and genuine concern. There's a difference between worry and genuine concern. Worry... I think this is a point. I better put it on the screen. Yep. Worry immobilizes us, but concern moves us to action. Worry, immob- worry paralyzes. Concern moves us to do something helpful. Worry paralyzes us. Worry is a fleshly response to something. Genuine concern can be used by the Holy Spirit for His kingdom. There is a difference. When we are consumed with worry over our finances, it distracts us from the real purposes and challenges that God is calling us to. It's distracting to those things that he actually wants us to be doing. Jesus says, isn't life more than that? Isn't life more than being consumed and stressed out about those physical needs? Look at the screen. You're going to... I don't know about this one. We would be less stressed out about money if we could learn to appreciate a more simple life. You're like, oh. You're like, I know it's true, but I don't want to. Listen. Don't let the world dictate how you're to live your life. Don't let the world dictate what you're supposed to drive or what house you're going to live in or what your kids are supposed to be involved in. Don't let the world and these talking voices that the enemy uses to distract you, stop letting these toxic voices tell you how to live and spend your money. Look to the Father. Look to the Word of God. Stop listening to them about what you're supposed to accomplish. What you're supposed to have. A simple, get this, I didn't put it on the screen, I probably should have. A simple life lived in God's will is more satisfying and fulfilling than anything this world has to offer. I skipped to verse 31. So don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat and what will we drink and what will we wear? These things dominate, say dominate. 
These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. So he says the money issues dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. The problem in our culture is that we know they also dominate our thoughts, even as Christians. Look at the screen. When something dominates us, it distracts us. Come on, if you're being overwhelmed with something, if you're constantly distracted, it's all you're thinking about. It's all you're thinking about. You wake up with it. You go to sleep with it on your mind. You're thinking about it all day long. Can I ask you a question? How are you going to do those things that you've been called by God to do if you're constantly overwhelmed and distracted with money problems and money issues and other things? You can't. You might go through the motions, but you're not really doing anything. You're not accomplishing anything because you can't concentrate on it. You can't put everything into it. It's just like the study that we had at the beginning we read. When we're distracted with anything, it affects every area of our life. It affects our marriage. It affects our work. It affects our kids. It affects everything. All right, so what's the answer? Is anybody curious about? He has the answer. But again, it may not be what we want it to be, but we need to hear him talk. 33, seek the kingdom. What does he say? Above all else. And live righteously and he will give you everything you need. Okay, let's talk about that word. I have that conversation with my girls all the time. Girls, you need food. You need water. You need a shelter. You need clothes. You don't need an iPhone X. <laughs> Rachel's over there going, I didn't ask for that. <laughs> the problem is we get onto our kids about it, but we're just as bad. We are just as bad. Can I, can I, can I tell you something? In our culture... In our culture, we need a vehicle. We live a long way from our work most of the time. We need a vehicle that runs and goes from A to B. But we don't need the newest, nicest, shiniest, most expensive vehicle every three years. We don't need that. And when we think we have to have that because Joe has that or, or, or Sue has that, then we get to all kinds of trouble and our finances go through the roof and we don't know how to pay the bill and we get all stressed out because we thought we needed it, but we didn't. Now, if you've got money coming out of your ears, praise the Lord, give some to me. And you have the margin to buy the, the $50,000 car, great, wonderful. But most of us don't. And if we will choose a more simple life and lifestyle and teach our children to do the same, it will free us up. It will give us more margin in our life. I'm preaching Need versus want. We need to understand it. So what does it mean to seek the kingdom of God? Look at the screen. To seek the kingdom of God means to follow the pattern and the lifestyle of, duh, the king. Who is the king? Jesus. Jesus is the king. And he has provided his word to us so that we can see the pattern of his life. 
we can see what, whatever he makes important, we should make important. Whatever he does, we should try to do. We should follow his example for what he did and how he moved and how he, he affected people. <laughs> Pastor, no problem. It's Jesus. I can do that. No problem. I'm glad you didn't set the bar too high. I know we're not perfect and we never will be until we get to the other side. But let me show you one more scripture. Let me show you what it would look like. I want you to get this so bad I can just explode. I want you to understand what it could look like in your life to seek the kingdom of God first. Let's look at Matthew 11. This is still Jesus. He says, verse 28, come to me. All you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Can anybody be honest in the house of God and just say, man, I need that. I feel weary in my body. I feel weary in my mind and my emotions. I am burdened, and I need rest. If that's you, then listen to what he says. Verse 29, he says, then take my yoke. Stop fooling with the world. Stop listening to what they say you have to have. Take my yoke. Take my purpose upon you and learn from me. Watch me because I'm gentle and humble in heart. This world will eat you up and spit you out and move on to the next person, but I am gentle. Oh, my God. Hallelujah. And I'm humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke, listen, my purpose for you is easy, and my burden is light. Jesus is saying, you're making this way too hard on yourself. You're making this way too hard by by constantly comparing yourself to other people. You're making this way too hard on yourself by listening to these other voices. Come to me. My yoke is easy. My purpose for you is easy. Why? Because I've created you for it. Mm. Look at the screen. If we are overwhelmed in life, it means that we are carrying burdens that Jesus never intended for us to carry. We are doing things he never intended for us to do. So what is the burden of Christ? What is this burden that he requires? It's certainly not trying to live up to somebody else's expectations of you. Parents, parents, it's not providing your kids with every single thing or device that they beg for and they think they can't live without just because Johnny's got one doesn't mean they have to have one. Stop putting that pressure on yourself. I'm sorry, kids. Parents, it's also not providing your kid with every single opportunity that costs a fortune that your friends are telling you, oh, they've got to be in this and they've got to do that. They've got to be involved in this club and they've got to be on that team or they're never going to get that scholarship. Which is more important, you going crazy or your family being whole? Now, don't send me an email. Look at this, I found a knife. 
Don't send me an email. <laughs> I'm not preaching against playing sports or being in clubs. I'm preaching against letting that consume your life and consume your kids and keep them out of church every single... My God, I'm sick of it. Calm down. Take a breath. Take a breath. Now, God may provide those opportunities and more. He may. But we can't focus on that. We can't let those things drive us. Jesus said, seek first. Somebody shout first. Seek first the kingdom. And all these other things will be added to you. And guess what? If you find that if you're seeking God first and his kingdom first, and those other things aren't added, then maybe you shouldn't have had them to begin with. Well, and if he says no... Trust him and trust his motivation that he loves you. This next point is worth the price of admission. When we start kicking down doors that God has clearly shut, we are inviting overwhelming circumstances to invade our lives. It's like ringing the dinner bell. Ding, 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 ding. It's like we're chumming into the ocean, the blood and the guts, and waiting till sharks to come and start swarming, and then diving in the middle of them and going, here I am! And when we invite those things that God has forbidden, when we start kicking down doors that God has shut, we are giving those things authority in our life. We are actually giving the enemy permission to overwhelm our life. In 2007, I was still doing contract work on the side. I was doing ministry full time, but I was doing contract work on the side and I became distracted. I've told some of this before. I have a lot of new people. I became so distracted with the almighty dollar, thinking I'm not making enough in ministry, so I got to do this, I got to do this, so I can, my kids can do and I got to do this, and I got to drive this, and just like everybody, anybody else. And so I was doing well with that. Then the economy started turning. You may remember? And I found a lot in a, in a subdivision that I had been working in and, and, and successful in, and I'm like, I got to build one more before this thing turns. I got to build one more Make this amount of money and I'll be good. Just one more. I'm going to get this lot. And every voice in my life that was loving and caring and wise told me not to do it. And here I go. Yeah. Kicking the door down. I built the house. It didn't sell. And I lost $125,000. Can you say lesson learned? That's not one you want to learn. This is real to me, y'all. This is real. Instead of going that route, as most Christians do, most American Christians, let me back up and say that. Let's try something crazy and take up the burden that Jesus actually wants us to carry. And that's our big idea. God's only burden is to use what he has already put 
in our hands. God's only burden is to use what he has already put in your hands. Every single one of us have been given gifts, talents, abilities, and money. And God is not expecting you to do anything but with what he puts in your hand. Can I get some volunteers real quick? I need three. Gail, I think you're the one. Come on. Come on. You want to, Rachel? Come on. Not really. (laughs) Come on, Jeanette. I need three, so come on. No, up here. You have to come up here. Three ladies. Come on up here. Stand just like that. Yep. So there's a parable in in Matthew chapter 25, the parable of the talents. Now, I like that word talent because it's like thinking about our gifts and our talents, but actually it was money. It was actually the money in that currency in that time period. And so Jesus tells a parable, a story about a a wealthy landowner who has servants and he's going to go on a long trip. And so he goes to the first servant and he's like, I'm giving you one, two, three, four, five. I'm giving you five. I'm trusting you with that. I'm putting that in your hand and then I'm leaving. The next one he gave two. Put it in your hand. You don't get to keep that. (laughs) Put it in your hand and trusting you with that. And to the last one he gave one. Now, what is our natural inclination in our culture, immediately this was to happen to us. If our boss were to stand and we were to be given the different amounts, what's the immediate thing? Come on. That's not fair. Why did they get five? And I've got one. That's not fair. They immediately start looking. We would start looking at the other person, right? And what they had. And get upset. Get mad. Get angry. I don't have that much. It's not fair. If I had that much, I could do something. Now, here's what happened. The one who had five, put it to work. You took the five and he made ten. Bam. Woo! The one with two made two more. Bam. What did you know? You know the story. Hold on. Hold on to that thing. Hold on tight. Hold on tight. The one who had one got scared, allowed, it, allowed fear and anxiety to override anything and held on tight. Actually, it says they buried it and didn't use it at all. So then the master comes back. I want you to get this. The one who had gone from five to ten, he goes through all these accolades and praise God for this and praise God. Hey, wonderful job, awesome job. I'm blessing you. I'm promoting you. Praise the Lord. But here's the cool thing about the economy of the kingdom. The exact same phrases are used. The exact same blessing is given to the one who went from two to four. She didn't even make it up to where the other one started. But God blessed that servant the exact same. And then the last one was afraid, allowed fear to override everything. Yes, Gail, I'm sorry. (laughs) And the one that she had (laughs) 
got taken and given to the one who had the most. When Jesus would teach, when Jesus would teach parables, he was teaching the economy of the kingdom. He was teaching the way it works in the kingdom. So we have a choice to make, folks. We have a choice. God has given each of us, each of us, something. He's put something in our hands. It may be a lot or it may be a very little, but he could care less about that. We have a choice. Are we going to look to our right and to our left? Are we going to whine and complain about what we didn't get? Or are we going to look down in our hand and see the blessing of God and do something with what he's given us for the kingdom? You don't get to keep the money. It's Cody's money. I have to give it back to her. Thank you, Gail. Give it up for them. Come on. So here's the deal. I thought when I started this sermon, and I'm almost done. I'm, I'm, I'm done. I thought we were going to go towards the, you know, the whole tithing and offering and giving, and that's important. Because if you're overwhelmed with money and money problems, you have to trust the Lord with it. And the, 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 the biggest test in trusting God with your finances as a believer is to continue to be faithful in giving. To, to, to be open-handed and not close-handed. God can't bless what he can't touch. Oh, Lord. Anyway, that's not the sermon. That was good. And I, I'm, I'm not being cute. It's hard. It's difficult. That's not where I was going today. That's, that's, I didn't ever have a, a piece about going there. I wanted to encourage you to take the pressure off. I want you to hear me. Stop allowing the negative and toxic voices into your head and tell you how to live your life. Stop looking to the left and to the right. Stop with the comparison Stop allowing the enemy to lie to you. Your only burden, your only burden, say my only burden, is to use what he's put in your hand. Stand with me.